0: Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. He's worthy today. He is worthy this morning. Before you sit down, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. While well, we appreciate you coming. You can be seated this morning and we're so glad you're with us on this Sunday morning, and I believe it's going to be a great, great time and just a wonderful presence of God already. And uh, we, we are starting a new series, and I think it's going to be great for all of us. It's Made for More in 2024, right? And uh, what we're talking about this morning is vision, and we're going to be talking about that. In fact, before I go on, I forgot to mention this is uh, at the end of the month, there is a woman's meeting called Arise on the 29th, and uh, my wife Letty Lopez will be ministering that that night, so we want pair all you ladies, be ready for that as well. Yeah, we didn't have to pump up the ladies at all, Pastor Rob, they just, they're ready. You guys, you guys missed it there, you men out there, so anyway, but as we start this new series, what I want to... Talk about is clarifying the future with vision. And as we start 2024, as we've already started, I want to just believe God that you'll have a clear vision for what God has for you. If you don't have a vision, I pray that you'll get a vision, but God's vision, not your own vision. A lot of people they follow their own vision and it doesn't lead to where God wants them to be. And so I'm gonna read a scripture here and then I'm gonna pray. Out of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, a very popular scripture. It says, where there is no vision, no insight, no goals, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So let's pray today. Father, we thank you for your word. We know your word is relevant in 2024. God, today than it's ever been. So I pray today, help us to receive the word of God. Let us know, God, today, open our hearts to your truth, that it applies to every part of our life today. Remove the distractions of so many things that are on our minds, even our phones and things that come up on our phones. Help us just focus on you, focus on the word of God. I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare your word. And let the people hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name. And everyone said. How many love newborn babies? Aren't babies just beautiful? And uh, we have lots of babies around here. Just like uh, people don't get TVs around here. They got to they have babies. But that's good. And uh, there's more and more. And I, I tell you, just the joy of seeing babies and all of that. And one of the, one of the things I've noticed about babies, and, uh, you know, we, we had three boys. And, uh, you know, our firstborn, I was just like mesmerize, uh, you know, this little baby, and then I begin to wonder, you know, man, is that all they do is eat, sleep, cry, and poop, right? I mean, for the first, like, it seems like the first month, the first week, that's all they do. I mean, they just eat, they sleep, and they sleep a long time, and then they cry, and then they poop, and then the next day, the same thing. And if you're not careful, we didn't know any better. We would think that's all they do. And that's all they're going to do. But how many realize that they're going to grow and mature? And at some point, that little baby is going to develop uh, its own character, its own personality, its own goals. that they grow and mature. They're going to have goals. They're going to have things that they're going to want to do. And so there's a greater purpose than just being a baby They're going to grow and mature and live the life that God's called them to live. And I think about that today as believers today. If we're not careful, we can get stuck in a rut where we think life is just wake up in the morning, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed. Again, the next day, wake up in the morning, go to work, come home, watch TV, and go to bed. How many know that's not living? That's just existing. And there's a lot of people like that. They're living the treadmill of existence. Their life has no purpose, it has no meaning, it has no direction. And there's a lot of people that are living in regret. They live in regrets of the past. And here we are, 2024, and maybe you look at 2023, and there's some, uh, you worry about the past, and it's keeping you from the future. I read this statement, it said, they crucify themselves between the twin thieves of yesterday's regret and tomorrow's worries. And if we're not careful, that could happen to us. This is why Jesus came, he said, I come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. So I'm going to teach kind of a vision series We're calling it Made for More, but I believe today it's more of a vision series to get you to have a vision, a greater vision, than you ever had when you started off the year. More than just resolutions. How many know resolutions usually don't last? I know many of you made resolutions. You're going to eat right. You're going to exercise. And those are wonderful things. You probably already broke them, or you're going going to. (laughs) But I love what... Paul the Apostle, who was, if you know anything about Paul the Apostle, Paul the Apostle was a a terrorist, a religious terrorist. He went around persecuting God's church. And later, he became from a terrorist, from murdering Christians to a Christian missionary. And he begins to give testimony of how God changed his life. And he stands before a king. And this king's name is King Agrippa. Agrippa. And he makes this statement in Acts 26. Let me take a drink of tea here. Hold on a second. Acts 26, verse 19. Boy, that was hot tea. But anyway, Acts 26, verse 19. (laughs) (laughs) So King, boy, I didn't expect that. But so, (laughs) that's good though. It's all right. It'll cool down. We get it. So King Agrippa, he says, I've not been disobedient. To the vision God gave me. Another translation, Paul's talking to King Agrippa, and he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Or the Message Bible says, what else could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that, so I obeyed it. Somebody's got a loud thing here going on. You get notice this. Turn that thing down. Turn down your phone for a moment here, okay? Turn it down. Thank you. I want to be able to say to you as the pastor, and I want to encourage you today, as the pastor who loves you and cares about you, that all of us one day are going to stand before God. And I want you to be able to stand before God and give account for your life in a good way, that you fulfill God's vision for your life. In fact, Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." Another translation says, "They cast off restraint." In other words, where there's no re- vision, they cast off respa- restraint. They run wild, or they're out of control. So, when you have no vision, or your vision is not clear, three things happen. When your vision is not clear. When you have no goals, when it's unclear, three things happen. It leads to indecision, then it leads to division, and then it leads to a collision. First one, when your vision is not clear, it leads to indecision. James chapter 1, verse 8. A double-minded man or double-minded people can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth. And everything they do. So, in other words, without a vision for what to head, you're drifting, you're wandering, you're rambling through life. And it could be anyone that uh, basically you're just living, you're existing. You don't know what your purpose is. You don't know what your goal is. Uh, you just take life the, the way it has, the way it happens. There, there's indecision about your life. I meet people all the time. They don't. They're not sure whether they want to serve God or they don't. Whether they really want to commit or they don't. And they're back and forth. They waver. And they're wondering what the problem is. You're, you're living a life of indecision. You have no vision. And what happens is you begin to coast. And how many know when you're coasting, you're going downhill? When you live a life of indecision, you are going downhill. Then the second thing, when your vision is not clear, it leads to division. In other words, you're going different direction. It's divided. You don't know which way you're going. If you've ever been married to someone uh, uh, that, uh, you know, that, you know, basically they don't know which way they're going. You don't know how to partner with this person. The vision isn't clear. They're going different directions. Uh, All of this, it leads to division. In fact, when we think about our nation today, there's an interesting proverb in Proverbs 28.2. It says, when a country is in chaos, everybody has a plan. To fix it. And we all have a plan to fix it, but the problem is they're going different directions. No one has clear vision on what they need. And how many know vision is the answer to division? The and then the third thing, when your vision is unclear, it leads to a collision. In other words, when you have clear direction for your life, it's unavoidable at some point. You're going to crash. You're going to end up in some kind of dead end. You're going to end up in a collision. There's usually a relational collision. There's usually financial crisis. All of these things begin to happen in your life because you have no clear vision. Personal crisis begin to happen in your life. And your life ends up like a bumper car. You're just like this bumper car. You just keep bumping into everybody, and you get hit from every side because you are in a collision because you have no clear vision. And so the Bible warns us of the damage that can happen when you don't follow God's vision for your life. You want to know what the trouble is with your life many times? You're not following God's vision. You're following your own vision. You're not putting your faith in what God has for your life. That's the answer. It's just that simple. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy 1.19. Some people have refused to let their faith guide their conscience. And their faith has been destroyed like a wreck, a wreck ship or their, their faith has become shipwreck. In other words, you have not applied your faith to your life. You've not applied your faith to your conscience. Can I preach this morning? You guys are a little quiet out there. And therefore, it's affecting your future. It's affecting what God has ahead for your life. this is why I want to talk about today. Having a vision for your future, it's going to require some discipline. It's going to require some work. It's going to require faith. It's going to require prayer. It's going to require you making a commitment and putting God first. It's going to require, listen to me. Seen through eyes of faith rather than eyes of fear. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about vision. And Jesus talks about vision. And he also talks about spiritual blindness. There's a lot of people that are spiritually blind. In other words, when Jesus refers to blindness spiritually, he's talking about people have closed their mind. They've closed their hearts. Uh, they've closed their mind and heart to the ideals of what God has for them. People could come to church, but if they're blinded, it, it, it doesn't even do anything for them. They've closed their mind. They've closed their heart. They've closed any perspective that God has for them. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22. Your eyes are the lamp of your body. And if your eyes are open and good, your whole body is full of light. But if your vision is bad, your whole life will be full of darkness. And he says this, if the light that you think have that you think you have is really darkness, it's the worst kind of darkness that you can have. In other words, many times we can deceive ourselves thinking that we're headed in the right direction. We got the right idea. We've got the right perspective, but if it isn't the light of God in your life, you're still walking in darkness today. So I want to talk about this. This is kind of an introduction to the whole series this morning. I'm kind of laying a foundation and the direction that we're going to go this month because we're talking about being made for more. We're talking about having vision in your life, looking for a future with God's blessing, God's favor, and the blessing and the and the destiny that God has for your life. God's vision for your future. There's a, a number of chapters in uh, Numbers, Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and I kind of want to lay a little bit of foundation. The Bible says that Moses, you know the story, Moses has gone in. He's freed all these Jewish slaves. They've been in slavery for 400 years. But how many know you can be a, a slave, you can be a free slave, but still a slave mentally. God can set a lot of people free, but mentally you're not free. Spiritually, you're not free. You're still you're still a slave to the past. And so these slaves, they have been delivered out of Egypt. God says, I have a promised land for you. Egypt is not your promised land. Don't go back to Egypt. And basically God is saying this future represents God's inheritance. This promised land represents God's future for their life. Uh, They've got to cross this desert. They've gone through the Red Sea. Now they're crossing through the desert. And so now they get to the edge of the promised land. They're ready to go in and possess it. Uh, God speaks to Moses uh, to uh, get 12 men to go spy out the land. And so the Bible says he gets 12 representatives uh, from 12 tribes to go check out this land. This is the promised land. This is the future that God has for them. Uh, This is uh, uh, the place of grace and favor. This is what represents uh, the blessing of God. And so the Bible says here in Numbers 13, read with me, verse 17 through 20, Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the new land, go northward through Negev into the hill country and see what that land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak. Few or many, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good, bad? Do the towns have walls? Are they unprotected? How's the soil? Is it fertile? Is it poor? Are there many trees? Enter the land boldly. And bring back some samples of crops you see. In other words, whatever you see, I want you to bring it back so the people can see it. There's something about vision, something about seeing it. And in Numbers 13, verse 1 through 2, the, the Bible said that the Lord had told Moses to send these men. It was God's ideal to tell, to speak to Moses, to tell the people to send men in there, and to get a sneak preview, listen to me, of what they were fighting for. In other words, the reason why God told him to send in some spies into this promised land... The land that they were to possess is because God wanted them to see and get a sneak preview of the prize and the reward and the promises and the blessings. And so the Bible says that this land was the promised land filled with milk and honey and grapes. And so he says, go and bring back some samples. That way they can see it. They can even taste it. They can visualize it and bring back some big grapes so that we can eat them. I mean, that all sounds good, doesn't it? And the Bible says when they went in, in Numbers 13, this is what it says. The Amalekites, they came back and said, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Shelf. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. So, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, the Termites, the Satellites, the Cellulites, all of these <laughs> all dwell there. And so the Bible says that when they came to Eshcol, they cut down a cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it back. I've never, I've never had any grapes that big. And they, and they also took samples a pomegranate. So here they're bringing back these giant fruits uh, and they're going to show them and in number 13, 25, it says, after seeing, again, this is the vision, the land for 40 days, the men returned, they'd been there 40 days, to Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel waiting at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran and they reported to the whole community what, what they had seen and they showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. All of this sounds good. You can see it. You can get a vision for it. You can taste it. All of this is so good for, for you to look forward as someone that, that has vision. But here's the problem. The Bible says two of the spies say we can take this land. We can inherit the promised land. Two of them are seen through eyes of faith. But the other ten are looking through eyes of fear. And instead of believing, they doubted whether or not they can inherit what God had given them. And this is the problem many times as people of God... God hath promises that you can see, that you can taste, that you hear about, that we preach about, that your life can be blessed, that your life can have the grace of God and the favor of God in your life. But many times we doubt it. No, not me. I don't think we could do it. I think it's too hard. Oh, man, church is hard. God's hard. Serving God is hard. Life is hard. Can I just tell you? Life is hard. Have you woken up lately? Is anything easy? But man, things, the things of God are worth fighting for. I said they're worth fighting for. <laughs> so write this down. Number one, there are a few obstacles to inheriting our future. And I think it applies to our vision today for what God has for you. And again, I'm using this as kind of a foundation, as an introduction. Number one, if we look through eyes of fear rather than eyes of faith, we overemphasize the negative. Look at what it says here in in Numbers 13, 27. This was the report to Moses. We arrived in the land you sent us to see, and it is indeed magnificent. So they're confirming. They have verified that it's a magnificent country. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's some of the fruit as proof. So here it is. But then they say, but, somebody say "but." but. But the people living there are powerful. And their cities and towns are fortified, and they're very large. And we saw Anakim, the descendants of Anak, who lived in the desert. So these spies come back, and there's a mixed report. Two of them say it's great, but 10 of them say we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb say we can inherit the land, but these other 10 say but... And how many know we all have a butt in our lives? And our butt likes to sit down and do nothing. Am I right? <laughs> and so they're not seen through eyes of faith. They are seen through eyes of fear. And they overemphasize the negative. When you overemphasize the negative that is happening in your life, it creates more stress. It creates anxiety in your life. When you're looking through eyes of fear... It, you begin to worry. Instead of seeing the, the glass half full, you're looking at it half empty. You're not looking at, you're looking at basically what you've lost, not what you have left. And that's a lot of our perspective if we focus on the negative, you you choose what you're going to focus on. And again, Moses never asked them to size up themselves. He told them size up the situation. Tell us what it's like. Don't size up yourself, just size up the situation. Tell us what it's about. Let us know what all of these things uh, that we're going to deal with. Don't size up yourself, size up the situation. Because how many know the minute we begin to size up ourselves, uh, we begin to discourage ourselves. We can't do it, can't get done, it's too difficult. You know what happens? We exaggerate the difficulties. We size up the situation... And all of a sudden, uh, most of us tend to size up the situation according to our weaknesses, our failures, and not God's strength. And I've said this report, and I'll tell you again, it's not the news you hear, but it's the report that you believe that determines your future. Because it's not the news, it's the report. Again, it's the report that you receive that determines your future. And usually, reports of news that you hear always highlight the bad stuff. Am I right? There, there, could, there could be 50 people at a protest, but the news will make you think that there's thousands of people that showed up. There's thousands. There's people everywhere. My wife, we're talking about this morning, you know, how cold it is, you know. And oh, it's windy out there. Come on. It's paramount, man. It's not that. You you don't know what cold is. Have you ever been to Kansas City? It's below zero sometimes. Five degrees, 30 degrees. It's so cold. I can't go to church. It's too cold, you know. Oh, my God. That's what they call a jacket. Put on a jacket. (laughs) Ever heard of a jacket? Uh, Our church has heaters. We're not going to be in the cold. We're not outside. We're in a building. We got heaters. Uh, you'll, You'll be warm in here. And then when you go to your car, you put on your jacket. You get in the car, you put on your heater. Are you? That all makes sense, right? Everything makes sense, hopefully. But people just exaggerate how everything is, how bad everything is. And, and we seem to always focus on the negative. And, and even the news, like I said, uh, uh, same story, different headline. Same story, different opinion. Same story, different spin. And that's how the media works. And we exaggerate the difficulties. Believe it or not, spiritually, as people of God, we exaggerate this, the difficulties. Instead of seeing uh, that God can take care of this, think about this. God just delivered them from one of the most powerful nations of the world during that time, Egypt. They've gone through the Red Sea. Miraculous things have happened. Uh, the plagues of Egypt. Uh, they've seen fire come down from heaven. Uh, they, they've basically seen rivers turned into blood. They've seen lice come out. They've seen frogs come out, all these different things. God has brought judgment on Egypt, and they're afraid of these little small tribes that they're coming against because always we exaggerate, we focus on the negative rather than on God's power. Can you say amen? The second thing we do is we pay too much attention to what other people are doing instead of what God's doing in our life. And what we tend to do is we begin to compare ourselves. Numbers 13, 29, there it is. The Amalekites live in the Jeb. The Hedyites, all these uh, uh, parasites, everybody's living there, right? And what they're saying, they're making a point that this land is occupied by these people. There's no room for us. There's this scarcity mentality. We're not careful. We come into this new year... It's scarcity mentality. Man, uh, are we going to make it? We, do we have enough money? Oh, man, all the houses are gone in California. Come on, all the houses ain't gone. <laughs> all this panic, man, buy toilet paper. We got to get more. Stock up on toilet paper. I'm going to fight you over this toilet paper. Remember the pandemic? People literally fighting over toilet paper. I mean, you can clean your butt with other stuff besides toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest, man. Is it that we fighting? I mean, you know. You ever been out in the jungle? You'll find a way. I'm just telling you. Anyway, let's move on. Now, there, there's other ways. I don't even know where that came from. But, but what I'm saying is we live in this scarcity mentality. All, all, all the good husbands are gone. All the good wives are gone. Who said that? Yeah, it's a scarcity. I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know. If I, it's a scarcity. And you're looking through eyes of fear. Instead of eyes of faith. Number three, write this down. We underestimate the abilities that God's given us when we look at the future with fear. You underestimate what God can do. You underestimate the talent and the power that's in you. In fact, it was Joshua and Caleb said, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 31, we, uh, or, or the people had said this and said, Joshua and Caleb said, we can take the land, but they said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. How many times is I can't stopped you from moving forward? I read this quote, I can, I can't, and I can, are both right. You do what you say you do. And so we have to, be, again, if we're not careful, fear begins to create this prophetic thing in your life. It begins to be the prophetic forecast in your life. You're speaking and you're declaring by fear what's going to happen in your life. And I've seen people, they say, well, yeah, yeah, that always happens to me. You know, this always happens. I always miss the opportunity. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you always say, I can't. I can't do this. I can't. I'm no good. I can't do it. Look at what Job said in Job 325. What I've always feared has happened to me, and what I've always dreaded has now come. In other words, we set ourselves up for failure, because we just keep saying that over, I'm inadequate, I'm incapable, I don't have the ability, I'm not able to do this, I can't, I can't, I can't. And here we see that Joshua and Caleb said we can, but the rest of the people said we can't. And look at how extreme they get here in Numbers thirteen thirty-two. it said, the land we explored devours the living. In other words, the land itself is just, it's sucking up people already. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw giants there. And the Hebrew word is Nephilim for giant. In other words, these are giants that are there. The Hebrew word for handsome is uh, uh, Omar Lopez. But uh, uh, we seem... <laughs> oh that's it. Anyway, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We look the same to them. I'm just kind of encouraging myself, okay? We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. In other words, we're like insects to them. We're, you know, and, and how do they know what they look to them? They didn't ask them. But we begin to project our fear. They're, they're going to, basically, we're like these bugs. They're going to smash us. They're going to squash us. Uh, we're like that bug on the windshield. Uh, that's what we're going to become. Uh, and, and they're going to eat us and, and, and they're going to swallow us. Uh, and it, they're hearing uh, again Israel for breakfast, Israel for lunch, Israel for dinner. Crunch, 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 crunch. Ooh, ooh, so good. Right? <laughs> They're hearing that they, they 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 got their life. It's like, man, we can't do it because they're focused. When you focus on, you become a grasshopper in mentality. Some of us have the grasshopper mentality. You can't do it; it don't ever get done. You're projecting your fears on other people, and it becomes the trap in your life. The fourth thing that happens, listen to me, is we infect others with our negativity. I found that fear and negativity is contagious. It rubs off on other people. Do you realize today that parents can pass their fears onto their kids? Oh, no, we don't do that. Oh, no, 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 mijo, don't do that. No, mijo, no, mija, stop doing the mijo, mija stuff, okay? Tell them they can do it instead of they can't do it. You can do it. We can't do that. Oh, no, our family, we don't do that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, we're never good. We never have money. Yeah, we never buy houses. We can't afford them. No, we never have good jobs. You're passing your fears to your children. I've seen people do it, man. They pass their fears onto their children, and it becomes contagious. Look at what happened. These 10 spies, they pass the fears of the people. It says, number 1332, they spread a bad report about the land that they had explored in other words they started talking trash they started talking negative they started complaining they started griping are you with me you know what the bible says get away from sinners. get away from negative people did you know that why because it, it it rubs off on you oh yeah this is no good oh yeah the church is no good get away from that guy Oh, yeah, everybody does it. That guy doesn't know anything. Why are you listening to him? He's always negative about everything. And, and one of the things I've noticed is people, man, all you have to do is put some negative stuff on social media, and everybody's biting for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then you get these other people. Oh, yeah, the same negative people, they, they hang out together. And if you're not careful, you become part of the crowd. And you're listening to the same trash, and you're listening to the same negative stuff, and it becomes part of your life. You know, again, I, 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 can, I, can I preach this morning? Yeah. If we just get negative about everything, everything's a conspiracy. Again, I'm, again I, I've never heard so many conspiracies in my life. Walmart, watch out. You know, they're doing it. They closed that. They're remodeling that part of the, um, the market. What are you talking about? Oh, they're hiding people. They got, they got coffins over there in the corner. Oh, yeah. Watch out. Yeah, they're preparing. People are going to die. It's going to die, man. It's going down right now. Get the word out, quick. It's like my, all these conspiracies, man. My goodness, relax. Relax. All this negativity. Isaiah 8.12, you know what it says? It says, don't say that everything people call a conspiracy is a conspiracy. And don't fear what they fear. Don't let it terrify you. A lot of us are fearful because we keep hearing fear news and it's become part of your life. And the fifth thing, if you're not careful, when you don't have vision and vision becomes something or you let fear run your life, is you begin to make yourself more miserable. I said you make yourself more miserable. Here's what happened. The Bible says in Numbers 14, look at what happened. Then all the people began weeping aloud. I mean, they, these are grown people. They're crying. They cried all night. Not just I mean, a bunch of chiones, man. They're, they're just crying. They grumbled. They complained in a great chorus. that almost sounded like a, a choir of mourners and crybabies. And what did they do against their leaders? Remember, Moses had led them out of Egypt. Moses is leading them to the promised land. It was Moses that went and risked his life and stood against Pharaoh. And it was Moses that God used to give them direction. And now they're blaming them or him for their problem. They put a great chorus against their leaders, Moses and Aaron. And they said what? We wish we died in Egypt and even here in this wilderness. We're talking about a full-blown pity party what they're saying is we rather had stayed slaves how how demented is that we rather had been slaves in egypt not free like we are we rather had died in the desert and they begin to turn against their leadership they begin to blame their leadership this is why i've told every leader when you call the shots you're going to get shot the leader always gets the blame. No, everybody's praising the leaders when things are going good. But the moment things turn, they, they blame the leader. And so they're blaming Moses for their situation. And again, they're not accounting for God. They're not accounting for what God can do. All they're seeing is their circumstances. They're becoming more miserable. And believe it or not, when you become miserable, it can lead to depression. I know depression is caused by a lot of different things, but I also know that fear can cause a lot of depression in people. And, and then their complaining begins to increase. The Bible said they grumbled and they complain. So they're grumbling, they're complaining, and now they're second-guessing their leaders. They said, man, you let us here. We shouldn't have been here. And, 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 uh, and uh, before people mistrust leadership, they start grumbling first. They start complaining first. And then what happened? They begin to go backwards. When you begin to complain and when you begin to murmur and you begin to cry, you begin to go backwards. They said, it, it would have been better for us to have died in Egypt. You believe that? They, they said, Better if we, before we served God, it was better then. I know the devil likes to highlight the past, but he never shows you the reality. He said, oh, yeah, man, things were so good. I was partying. I was getting all loaded. It was so, I was having so much. He doesn't show you with your face in the toilet bowl. He doesn't show you when your wife and other people left you and when you lost your job and all the money you spent and wasted. He doesn't show you that. He doesn't show you the hangover, right? He doesn't show you the effects of your bad decisions. Am I right? He just highlights, oh, I was having a lot of fun. And then things started happening to you. Are you with me? So we've got... So what is the answer? How many want the answer today? We've got to develop a vision of faith. And that is the answer. Joshua and Caleb had a vision of faith. Look at what they said in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Here's what Caleb said in faith. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said... We can go at once. Right now we could do it. Let's do it right now. We should take possession of the land right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but right now. We certainly can do this. In other words, he saw himself, him and Joshua said, we can do it. There is no limitation when you have God. When God is for us, who can be against us? All it takes is God. See, the majority said we couldn't do it. But all we need is God plus us. We're the majority. How many know God's always the majority? And so I want us to think about that because I think faith is greater than fear. And sometimes we think fear is so powerful, man. Really, all it takes is a little fit of faith to break the fear in your life. So I want you to look at this right here. I've got this jar and... This jar here, it represents the promises of God. Can everybody see that? Jar represents the promises of God. It's everything that God has for you, the future, everything that God has in store for you is right here in this jar. But you have this fear. This piece of paper here represents fear. It's stopping you from inheriting the promise of God. This quarter is you. Can I just put that on there? This quarter is you right here. But you can't can't fall into the promises of God. You can't inherit everything God has for you because fear is stopping you from absorbing and taking on the promises of God for your life. But do you realize all it takes is a little bit of faith. Say a little bit. Not a whole lot. Just a little bit. So all we have to do, I've got this little dropper here. Hold on. There we go. And really, all it takes is just a little bit of faith. Not a lot, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Let's see. It's starting to work. Just a little bit. Maybe we'll give it a little bit more faith there. Just a little bit more faith. There we go. Man, I think we got Charmin going here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we need to hold out There it is, it went through, hallelujah <laughs> Boy, it took a lot of faith there, amen <laughs> Somebody, hey man, we, we got good toilet paper here in this church We don't got the cheap stuff, we got the real stuff But how many get the idea that faith breaks through fear Can you say amen, it really does So I want to say to you today that the future is ahead. And I'm going to read this last scripture, Numbers chapter 14, verse 6. We saw the land ourselves. It is very good. The future looked great. If we obey the Lord, it says, we surely, he will surely give us the land rich with milk and honey. He says, don't rebel. He said, we have no reason to be afraid of the people who live there. The Lord is on our side. And they won't stand a chance against us. Hallelujah. When you have God on your side, fear doesn't have a chance. Your future is brighter than what people are saying. Your future is brighter than what you're hearing today. So I'm going to pray for you. Why don't you just bow your heads and close your eyes.